1: I am Dean Linky. this is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, and today we visit with the new technical advisor for the ECNL, Kerry Boley. He was at the ECNL Coaching Symposium in Las Vegas and gave us some time. I think you'll enjoy the interview and you'll hear all of it after a word from the ECNL.
0: As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country. With a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean.
1: Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We are loving meeting some incredible people as part of the ECNL coaches symposium and AGM, including a man who's got an incredible resume and one that the leaders of ECNL, Christian Lavers, Jason Cutney, Ralph Richards, Jen Winigold, Doug Bracken, you name it, they are fired up about having Kerry Boley as the new technical advisor. He did amazing things in Australia. Then he was the head of the Man City Football Group for coaching support with multiple teams that come out of the Man City umbrella. And that barely touches the, the tape of all the great things he's done. But first, let me say what a pleasure it is to be with you, Kerry. Thanks for being here.
2: No, thank you for having me. Yeah, so
1: I barely touched, the, as I said, the tape of your story. So... Look, it's a Blake canvas, it's a podcast, so if you don't mind, you know your elevator speech. Tell us where you were born, how you fell into this, the different steps along the way, and do me a favor, don't be humble. Like, break down all the steps, because all of them are, are pretty
2: cool. Okay, I'll do my best. All right. Um, so born in Wales, uh, grew up there for most of my life. My family home is still Wales, so even when I travel and um, at different clubs and whatever, I still keep the base for my family to be Wales, it's nice to go home, so uh, that feeling's always good. I played from a very young age, Dad was a coach, so in terms of football influence, he was the first really, that really influenced me um, growing up as a a young player, Um, and obviously you have others around family that influence you a lot. My mother was a a massive influence on me in terms of who I am as a person today. And then started to play more seriously, I suppose, and went through football academies, ended up at Bristol Rovers, which was uh, where I went through to play reserve level, um, as it was then, before the new structure that is now in place. There was no kind of under-23 B-team at that point. Uh, Didn't make it as a pro, but always focused on education. So mum and dad were always integral to that, to make sure that I continued to be educated as I went through and when I left the pro game it was always with the intention of trying to work at the best level possible Um, I had kind of two roles in mind at that point was more director of football as it was called then it's probably now better known as sporting director in most places uh, and academy director And part of that was because I was never going to have 500 premier league games or football league games behind me as a player and so at that point being a coach was quite difficult Uh, most of them were ex-players that had long careers in the game that's obviously changed quite dramatically in the last 15 years particularly with the likes of whether Jose Mourinho coming in who, who obviously had a career but not at the top level so he was a little bit different in that way Wenger to a degree although Wenger was a good player himself but those guys have really changed the landscape and you see a lot more now of Coaches coming from a wider background that are now um, head coaches, managers, whatever you want to call them in the game. But that wasn't my reference point at that, at that point in time. So you know, I'm 35 now. So when you think about when I was 16, 17 years of age, leaving that club, my reference point then was how can I work in the game? How can I work at the top level? And I went about on a journey that I would say has been purposeful every step of it. Um, not in terms of destination, because you can never plan for that, but in terms of what I wanted to be, it's always been purposeful. And I knew I had to be different. I had to bring something else to the table because, as I've mentioned, I didn't have the the esteemed playing background at the professional level. And so I gave up playing quite young. Um, I played semi-pro up until about 22. Broke my leg um, and at that point I was about to embark on a different journey in education and, and decided right that was going to be it for playing. Um, my dad wasn't too pleased about it, but th- that's what the decision I took because I wanted to use the 10 years or so that I would have had as a player to really learn and coach and do the things that was going to help me get to where I wanted to get to. So I um, went through undergraduate, master's while working full-time uh, and then PhD at Cardiff Met, which was a kind of collaboration with the Football Association of Wales as well, uh, linked to their coach education, coaching and and the psychology element of developing adolescent footballers and people. um, And worked for actually across the border for the English FA for part of that time as well, full time. So about 18 months into my PhD, I started full time employment. Uh, which was tough i got to be honest because I was trying to juggle the two um, both on a full-time capacity and whilst also still trying to coach and be involved in the game in different ways so I kind of went through as I was going through my degree and masters it was about try to learn as much as possible about as many disciplines as possible so spending time going in at Cardiff City at the time as an analyst um, went in there and used to do one half while the, a- the actual full-time analyst did the other half mm-hmm. so that we could get things prepared, ready for the manager who was Dave Jones at the time. Um, and that, that was just voluntary role, getting experience, spent a lot of time with sports scientists, strength and conditioning coaches to understand their world. Um, but psych and coaching was always going to be the thing that, that really captured me, uh, mainly because as a player, psych was the area that I struggled with most. Um, I I still think it's the hardest area to really help someone thrive because you can't see a lot of it. It's hard to measure a lot of it. Um, So that was always the thing that really captured me and that was always going to be what I ended up following as my path. But I knew and recognised that there were so many things that I felt in my youth career that we didn't have. Resources that weren't available at clubs. Developing players holistically, it, it, it wasn't really a thing. The physical thing took off. Um, but the other things were still lacking behind so and even now to a degree it's it's something that I still try to invest time in learning what what are the new things that are coming in in those disciplines keeping in touch with mentors that helped me along the way that come from those backgrounds um, is something that I really actively try to do to to make sure that I understand the game properly because when you're in a leadership sort of position I think it's important Um, of course you have your niche you have your area of expertise but I think it's really important to have a breadth of knowledge as well and not only know the area that you know because you have to piece it together um, and particularly in those technical leadership positions you have to be able to piece all of the different disciplines together really and bring people together so that, that was my kind of focus if you like um, for a large part through my career and still is I'm still trying to learn as much as I can and. Trying to get things that I, I don't already have Education's important to me um i've been out of the game only since beginning of december uh but i've i've already started two short courses and you know complete just about completed both of them languages reaching out to other people learning from people that's that's something that i think is really important uh, for longevity in this game one
1: takeaway i want to get back to and that is at 15 and 16 you already had the foresight to think ahead and know where you were as a player. I want to come back to that, because in the meantime, you knew to get where you wanted to get at 15, 16, when I was thinking about whether I was getting a Big Mac or a quarter pounder with cheese, you had much <laughs> deeper thoughts for sure, but you did all of that schooling, now again without being humble coming off of all that schooling tell me where australia fits in and man city fits in and scotland i mean all the all the stops so you do all that schooling and then just go in chronological order for me if you can
2: so the fa was the first full-time role in the game the english fa Um, and then came from there back into academia in um university of south wales so in Wales uh, that was around a football degree or a soccer degree uh, course leader for the soccer degree but we also were writing a master's at that point and um, we've attracted quite quite a few um, esteemed coaches let's say onto that master's program um, particularly in the initial years and worked with a colleague on that which was a great experience um, and then from there City City Football Group, and of course Melbourne City are one of the clubs, so that's where the Australian okay. link starts to come in. So, you know, the, the core clubs, NYCFC is another okay. um, that was that was a big priority for us. Mumbai City, um, and then yeah, the list goes on in terms of all the different clubs. Yokohama are, are part of the group, but are a different different in the model. So you could break it down, I suppose, in terms of flagship clubs, those that need to win, and I've mentioned them, and obviously Man City is the other. Then you have kind of On the verge, some of them flagship like Girona, but also a development club for players coming through the pathway. Um, Toise, another one in Ligue 1 in France. Um, We've got Lommel in Belgium, second division club in Belgium. They've now got Palermo in Italy that came in right at the end of my time at the group, really. Um, And then we have South America. So you have Montevideo, City, Torque, uh, South America, that's a big one. Sichuan in China. So it it truly is a global, global club, you know, they've just got Bahia now in Brazil. Uh, I didn't play any part in that because it was after my time. So that was three and a half years on my journey. And then that's where I met Gio. Uh, He came to spend six months with us after he left Nord on a sabbatical. And he traveled around the world with me to these clubs and got to understand the methodology, the way that I worked with coaches. And that's where the Scotland stop came in. Um, I was never... As I said, right from the start, my intention was never really first-team football, but it was an experience that I felt would really help me in where I want to get to, in the technical leadership stuff, because understanding the pressures day-to-day of being in that environment and what coaches now have to go through. We know that the tenures of coaches is pretty small. Um, it's, getting, <laughs> it's getting smaller by, by the season at the moment. But really being able to empathise with them and know what they have to go through on a day-to-day I think will help me in the longer term in being in those positions so when I was at City I was recruiting those coaches and I was supporting them in in their environment but I was never part of their team so I wasn't the highs and lows of the win and losses of course I rode the roller coaster with them because that's what you do when you're supporting people but it was never the be-all and end-all because I had to support all the clubs so it was never about just that one club in that moment whereas when I went into first team football that's what it became about and you know it's all consuming in that way so that's where that stop on the journey came And I was only going to go into first team for certain people there was a small number um, of managers that I would have gone in to work with and Gio was one of them um, because he, first and foremost he's an absolutely outstanding person um, and that, that's really important to me so you know if you're going to go in and, and risk losing your job which is eventually what happened you're going to do it for good people Mm -hmm. Um, and that it's not something that I want to get on a roller coaster or on the hamster wheel of doing little stints everywhere but for someone like that the the experience was was always going to be incredible so uh, so yeah that's that's where that stop came in
1: great to hear the wisdom and the passion of Kerry the new technical advisor for the ECNL one more question before we take our first break and it was what I promised I want to go back to the notion Uh, 15-16 and I feel bad on a soccer podcast comparing it to baseball but uh, I'm very much an historian for the greats and Babe Ruth you've heard of Babe Ruth you know he uh, at one point called his shot he pointed out to left field and next thing you know the ball is over the wall in left field and you kind of called your shot at a at a really really young age did you not a little bit
2: yeah I, d- I don't think I'd compare myself to bait, but um, in terms of uh, you know what I mean, wisdom and quality, but I, g- I get the line of thinking yeah. And I think I'd attribute that a lot to parents, okay. and family, in terms of the importance of education. You know that, that was made clear to me from day one. They always supported my education, encouraged me, um, and look, I was never top of the class or anything academically. I think the biggest thing that I've learned or that I've developed through my career is hard work. Um, and everywhere where I've got to and everyone says it I know it's a bit of a cliche but it's all been about work rate for me because I was never as a footballer I was okay I had some talent but I was never like a high flyer that found it easy everything was easy and it was the same in academia so I had to work I really had to work hard and they encouraged me that that was the start of the platform so they always encouraged me around that but I had such a passion for the game that you know i always wanted to work in football and if it wasn't going to be football it was going to be sport so i think that helped and you know i speak to a lot of young people now and even my nieces nephews and my children and so when they don't know what they want to do it can be quite frustrating because i'm like i knew but i have to also appreciate that that's not everybody that's yeah i'm probably in a minority in some ways knowing at such an early age but probably what one thing i've been quite good at but sometimes it can also be limitating in some ways is I've always known what the, what the journey needs to look like. Mm. I've always been good at looking ahead. So, you know, what, what's their career been? So if it's someone that I admire in the game, what have they done? What are the steps that they've taken along the way? But also, what does the game need? And as a result, what are the things that I need to be better at? Um, and so I've always been quite good at that. I suppose some of the detrimental part of that is not living in the moment enough and enjoying experiences when they happen, you know, and, and really riding the wave of successes along the way because I'm always like, what, what's next? What do I need to do next? And that's something that I'm, I'm trying to get better at, uh, living the moment, but it's not easy. When you've always kind of worked in a certain way, then it's tough to break it. It's, it's like a habit in some ways. So, yeah, so I knew at that point it was always going to be about the game. Um, always... And, not one that needs to be front and centre, so that that again probably lends itself to why not having to be the manager is is something that um, probably helps um, and is probably something I believe in. I'm okay being in the background, um, supporting in the background, and and helping other people to be successful. So again, that probably lends itself to why the two roles I picked out from the start in many ways, um, because you play a significant role, you lead things, but you lead things more in the background rather than being front and centre of everything and this is who I am and that's not me you know that ego and and some people are very good at it but that's that's not something that that I, I see as myself really.
1: Great conversation here on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast with Kerry Boley, the technical advisor now for the ECNL. A fascinating career. Two things I want to say as we go to break is, one, he talks about his journey. The man's only 35 years old, so he's still got a long way to go on his journey and has accomplished so much. And along the way, he has worked with and along with some incredible people. We'll learn about some of those experiences when we return to Breaking the Line. The ECNL Podcast the ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL girls and ECNL boys a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches at all national events including national playoffs and national finals the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls ECNL boys and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the National championship winning ECNL girls and ECNL boys coaches of the year and the ECNL girls and ECNL boys goals of the year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years.
0: Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport, because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
1: Huddle is a proud partner of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Huddle's powerful yet intuitive solutions make it easy for coaches and athletes to be at their best. And now it's more affordable than ever. All ECNL clubs can get 25% off on Huddle and Huddle Assist, the game breakdown solution. Clubs of 10 teams or more can take advantage of the exclusive ECNL club package pricing. This bundle includes Huddle and Huddle Assist for every team and makes your club eligible for Huddle Focus Flex. The all-new portable smart camera with full Huddle integration at one affordable price. You can bring the best end-to-end performance analysis platform for soccer today. Just go to huddle.com slash pricing slash ecnl. That's huddle, h-u-d-l lcom slash pricing slash ecnl. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Dean Linke hanging with the big timers, including Kerry Boley, who's now the technical advisor. And in the first segment, you really did a nice job of breaking down your career. I love the fact that at 15-16, you knew the kind of trajectory you needed to be on because you weren't going to be the next David Beckham, uh, or in, in your case, Wales, the next Bale, I guess, I guess would be the best to say. And by the way, congrats on the tie against the USA. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but that was really cool. But, you know, the one name that people are going to be thinking of based on your career is Pep, right? So what can you tell us about how much you were able to interface with Pep, all of us who even though just the littlest about soccer, are moved when we see him, hear him, watch him. What can you say about your experiences with him?
2: Um, well, first thing I would say is I think he's a genius. Underappreciated by a lot, I think, because of the clubs that he's been at and the players that he's managed. He's quite humble in his press conferences. I mean, like, when he talks about Barcelona, he talks about Messi. doesn't talk about the way that he worked and things. But... I actually think he'll be more appreciated when he finishes coaching, which sadly is often the way for a lot of these coaches that people really value what they did afterwards. But yeah, the guy is is a different level to a lot, um, just in terms of the way he thinks, Uh, but then his obsession, and it is an obsession, a lot of, and you see this in all walks of life, right? People who are the best at what they do, they're obsessed by it. but in terms of interactions, I probably had more with Cheeky, the okay. director of football, than I did actually with Pep. Because for him in that role, it's you know, the pressure and need to win and the volume of games and everything. You don't really want to be too much in the way in that, in that sense, because I wasn't part of his environment every day. That wasn't my role. So so it was more through Cheeky, but did have conversations with, always really helpful. Um, Always fascinated by the way that he views the game and, and, and those kind of things, and and tried my best. The way I used to try and operate was I'd break down the things that I see, and I'd cheer them back, and then you get the approval of yeah that that's kind of my line of thinking, and or bring these in and that kind of stuff. So that you can, if you sat down with him, you'd learn every day. That's that's the type of guy that that he is, you know. But his accomplishments in the game, and when I talk about accomplishments, it's not just titles. It's the way that he's gone about those. It's the records broken along the way. You know, records that were held by great clubs, great managers like Sir Alex. Um, and he, he's broken a lot of them yeah, along the way as well. But also the impact he's had on grassroots in all the countries he's been at. And when you, when you travel the world and you speak to like, people in Spain, obviously they all wanted to play like Barcelona. And then you see the success of the national team had a lot of Barcelona players in it then you go to Germany and of course Bayern have always been successful but you speak to coaches in, in Germany that say that they started to influence the way they wanted to play as a result of course Germany won the World Cup when Pep was at Bayern um, with those group of players now not saying it's because of him but there's a part to play in that for sure and then you see the success or relative success if you like that England have had in terms of latter stages of tournaments um, consistently and there's been an influence of players along the way that have played under Pep in that squad and that's to take nothing away from gareth southgate by the way because he's done an incredible job with england and he's another very very good coach real clarity in the way he operates Um, and i know a lot of his staff as well so i'm not going to attribute their success to pep in any way but you see the impact in the uk on grassroots football of of the way that pep plays they all want to try and play that way now Um, the difficult thing is it's the most tough it's the toughest game style to play Uh, and I can speak from confidence and from experience in that way because we had to try and do that around the world in in countries and clubs where we didn't have the best players in the world playing so I know what it's like to have to go through those um, and break down the concepts and stuff to be able to teach and educate around it and it's it's not always easy but um, yeah the guy honestly the, the guy is humble first and foremost and I think that's really important he works as hard as anybody but also individually and that that's something that I'm passionate about as well working individually with players to bring total clarity over what's expected when you're on the pitch Um, the volume of information is incredible uh, and that's why it probably takes players time when they go to City to really learn and and before you really see them so yeah, there's much debate in in the media at the minute is probably Haaland the one before that was Jack Grealish and they always talk about them but you've got to understand what he's asking of them before you can start to judge them because the easy thing and too often people jump to numbers uh, need to hit this number, need to hit that well, you know, Jack Grealish is, is a player that will contribute numbers but it's not just about that in, in his role in the system and he's an incredible footballer and he's a talented player but you don't always see the bits that what his role is is integral to the rest of the team and, and the way it operates so, so it's too easy to criticise and hammer people for that but yeah, he's no, it's, for me. He's the best. He's the best of the best. I'm glad you got to talk about Pep. And
1: the next thing I wanted to talk about is closer to home in the United States is your ties to NYCFC. And as I'm thinking about that question, I'm wondering if Claudia Arena was there at that time. And then that ties me back to maybe a sillier question, although. I don't think it's that silly, but you can give me the take. So I was lucky enough to be the press officer for the 1994 U.S. World Cup team. And we made the decision to hire, not a pep, but a guy who had some glamor, some sizzle in Bora who had some success in the World Cup and knew how to deal with the media and knew how to make things kind of spectacular, right? I think a lot of people with the World Cup coming back to North America, of course Mexico and Canada will also be involved. I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't mind that kind of sizzle again, at least those of us that were around for that day. There's others that have been a part of this renaissance of American soccer that would love another American coach. But one name that keeps being thrown out there is in fact Pep uh, to become the US coach. Is that silliness
2: or is that possible? I guess anything's possible um (laughs) the timing would be the crucial bit he's just signed a new contract at city and clearly that's going to be at the forefront of his focus but is it possible i wouldn't want to speak on his behalf but i think i don't think it's as crazy as some things that you see out there and who knows who knows you know it's it's definitely you know you see where the game's gone particularly the last 10 years it's it's incredible the difference in the mls and the national team and And I think the level of talent here is clearly here. Yeah. Um, So if
1: not, Pep, do you see value in sizzle with an international coach or do you think they should find the
2: best American? It's an interesting question, right, because I always try to relate it back to myself. And obviously, I'm really passionate about Wales because that's my country. Um, And I always prefer to have a Welshman lead the Welsh team because I think I think they get it. They understand what it's about. and we're obviously going to be more limited in that way in many ways because we're a small population so there's only going to be a handful that do but when you look at recent, C- recent years and the success we've had it's been with welsh managers and staff at the forefront of that um, and one, one of those guys was obviously Oshan roberts who played an integral part particularly through legend gary speed um, when he came in and changed a lot of uh, welsh football at that time and the mindset and then obviously chris coleman afterwards and now uh, with robert page who led us at the world cup but so i'm always quite traditional in that way Um, and england's always been the one that's kind of meddled a little bit with more foreign and then there's debate around well after gareth southgate who should it be and that kind of thing so so i i see it from both sides is the value in in foreign managers of course and you know the Premier League has really benefited from that in England Uh, I think really benefited not only in terms of what they brought but what it's done to raise the bar of British coaches because now to be like where Graham Potter sits at the minute where Eddie Howe sits in Newcastle you have to be even better than what you had to be before because you have to now compete with the world and not just the United Kingdom so I think from that perspective it can help but then, yeah, I, I see the other part where having an American lead the national team can also be something that, you know, in terms of that should be the ultimate, really. I think and managing your country should be, that should be as good as it ever gets um, for anybody. That, that's, that's my belief. It's not to say that's right. So so I'm not, I'm not sure where I would sit, <laughs> you know, if I was, and of course, there's, there's lots of vacancies at, at the federation at the minute. There's lots yeah. of roles to be filled. So... I don't know who's going to be making that decision ultimately but um I think it would be it would be something that would need to be considered quite quite closely and, and also looking at the some of that for me is looking at the group of players that they have and who's going to be able to get the best out of them because you know naturally Jesse Marsh is just out of work so he's going to be linked with it without a doubt um and I don't want to be disrespectful to To Greg, who was leading the team, of course, because there's no decision made on his future at the moment. But those guys are always going to be linked to it. But for me, you have to look at the group of players you've got as well and say, right, who's going to be the best fit to get maximum out of these guys? um, Because they've got some talented players, that's for sure great take and I appreciate you letting me
1: ask it because you know we're right here in the moment of it so you gave us a in the moment answer so I appreciate that and again you had all these incredible stops but because we're here in America who did you work with at NYCFC and how long were
2: you at the club so NYCFC was while I was at City so it wasn't directly the club per se it was my role at City Football Group Uh, Claudio was Sporting Director when I first came in. That's what I thought. Okay. For maybe five to six months before he moved on, and then David Lee obviously took over from him. Um, I worked with a little bit Dome towards the end of his time there, and then was my first appointment of a coaching team when I was at City Football Group in terms of process that I led with obviously David and um, with Brad from New York and then from Brian Marwood at at City Football Group. was actually Ronnie. Nick Cushing, uh, Mehdi Bellucci, uh, Efron when when he came in and and obviously Rob stayed as um, the uh, the goalkeeper coach and and part of the staff so that that was the kind of the first group that we put together or I I was involved in putting together and then worked with them week to week Um, still speak to Nick Cushing all the time spoke to him yesterday via message so I'm I'm constantly in contact with him and then the academy so Liam Manning at the time was academy director who we then took on a journey to Lommel, of course, and then went on to manage outside of the group, at MK Dons more recently. Um, so worked with him, worked with Matt Pilkington, who now leads the um, MLS Next team. I worked with him and, and, and other individuals within it, Dan Fradley from an analysis perspective. So, so lot, lots of people really in terms of who I worked with. And yeah, it was, a, it was one, of the, one of my favorite ones to, to work with, I have to say.
1: I love that, and we love dropping names on this show as well. We're going to take one more break and come back for our final segment with Kerry Boley, now a technical advisor with the ECNL. You just heard him break down so many incredible stops, so much education, including his Ph.D. I really should call you Dr. Boley, right? I mean, officially. You don't need to do that. <laughs> uh, um, Dr. Boley it is, and we'll come back with Dr. Kerry Boley and find out why he saw so much promise in the ECNL because let me tell you folks, they're really glad to have them.
0: ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world, the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams in keeping with their mantra of forever faster puma introduces the world's fastest boot the ultra the only boot engineered for speed the ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion speed and acceleration it's the best in the game designed for the best players in the game Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade. The studied, tested, and proven fuel of
1: the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We're here with Kerry Boley, now the technical advisor with the ECNL. And you heard my segue to that break there, Kerry. You've done all these amazing things. I will say I have been around the game a long time, but I'm just an ambassador, a broadcaster. You guys are the smart people. And this is going to sound sycophantic, but when I met Christian Labors a long time ago, even before I got involved with the ECNL, I was like, man, this guy's really, really smart. And one thing I knew about him is he likes to be around people that are really, really smart. I'm sure you picked up on that. So I gotta believe that was draw number one, but tell the whole story. What was the draw for you to say, I can quote in your own way, fully commit, knowing that you're doing some other stuff as well, but I'm gonna use those words, fully commit to the ECNL as the techno advisor. What's the answer to why?
2: Okay, so I'll start with how I met Christian, cause I think that's quite important. Um, and it was via, Ian Barker, who was obviously United Soccer Coaches. Um, And I I first met Ian on a study visit when it was the NCAA. NSCAA, NSCAA, sorry, yeah, in Philadelphia and built quite a good relationship with him. I was at the FA in England at the time. Um, And he actually introduced me to Christian, and it was around. The, uh, the symposium for 2019, because he was looking for people to, to present, which I, I eventually did. I came out I did four or five presentations, I think. Uh, I think they were bored of it, listening to my voice by the end of it, um, but built a relationship off the back of that, really. And you saw, at that time, the, the enthusiasm for education and what they were trying to do. And obviously, you, you do some more research around the ECNL and what what they, with the journey they've been on. And you've only got to look at this event now compared to 2019. And see the growth in terms of the the number of um, of people that are coming here for the education over the next couple of days, but also obviously what he stands for. A lot, a lot of it is because of the relationship I built with Chris. And I've got to be honest, and you know, we are quite similar in some ways in terms of people. I think the values and, and the character, that kind of thing, we're quite similar. Uh, but obviously have had very different backgrounds in terms of where we were educated, grew up and culturally because US, UK, Wales, whatever, so quite different but there's enough that really brings us together in that way and I can see what he's tried to do and what he has achieved so far and what he's still trying to do because, and I use the word try, not in any way demeaning to what the Isinel has already done because I think it's always a journey of continually trying uh, despite the successes along the way but what he's built is an unbelievable brand, um, a league um, and with the help of others of course, not, not just for him but he has built something that is is unbelievable so far but I think can be even more um, and when, when you look at the impact that it's having across the whole country, the scale of it is just unthinkable for someone from the uk because we wouldn't, we wouldn 't have something of that size, um, but the the potential for it is even greater than what what 's already been achieved and I think the incredible journey they 've had you have to go through to put the foundations in place which they 've done really well, and now it 's about right how do we continually evolve and how do we take it to another level um, in the impact it can have and You asked me about the national team, uh, and I honestly think that this league can be one of the biggest influencers and impactors mm. on the future potential of the national team that I think, says it all doesn't I, it i think if they get it right here because of the say, size of it and the scale of it they can have a huge impact on um on where the national team goes in the future and the players that come out from the u.s and go on journeys around the world like they've already started to do well that's really kind of you to say and as we wrap up our time
1: you know something that stuck with me right there on your answer was even though they're already here, their potential is way up here. People can't see me, but I'm raising my right arm way above my left arm, and I like that you see it. And I think you see it, knowing this big brain that you have is because I mean, you're around here. It's much more than the X's and O's. It is about the mental health part of it, for sure. It is about women empowerment. It is about physical health. I mean, and so many other layers. I think that's another reason why you're here. Am I right on that?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think holistic development of coaches and people, as well as young people and players and, and whoever else. Parents, I think there's a real opportunity to take them on a journey um, when, when you do things properly. Um, that can help them understand more around the game and around the development of their children so they can support it, because they're a key part of it. No matter what happens, the parents are are massively integral to anything that you're gonna do. So so I think involving them with it. But the other things are like cognitive diversity is something I really value. And and there's a lot, and I've got to be careful with this and the way that it can be interpreted in the US at the minute, but there's a lot being said around women in sport people from different backgrounds uh, which I value massively by the way, but I think there's a, there's a way of going around that where that can happen as a consequence of cognitive diversity, if you if you seek people that think differently that can add value, I think you will automatically arrive at more females in the game more people from underrepresented populations in the game, because their journeys, their education and the way they see the world is going to be different, so there's a way of going around that and it's it's not simply we only want people from these backgrounds or we only want this gender. I think bring people together, the most powerful is when, when you can bring people from different backgrounds, cultures, race, religion, whatever it might be together. I think that, that's, that's the, the most impactful you can, you can be in football and soccer, but also in society. I think that, that's the best way to, to really have an impact in society as well. And I see that potential here. There's room for growth for sure um, and you can see that from looking at the population of people that will be here in the next couple of days but it's the way you go about that i think is, is the important and the exciting bit um, and as i say, that was something that i was passionate about at city football group if you look at our coaching teams from the time i was there i think you'll see it but it was never an intention to go and hire a black coach because it was always about hire the right people and look mm-hmm. for the right things and you will arrive at, at hiring the right people at that time were we perfect no was there still more to be done yes NYCFC would do in more of that now with the programs that they have but it was the intention of let's educate these people in the things that they may not get so let's deal with the issues the issues are not not enough of them on the touchline that's the outcome the issue was that they don't have access to the education Initially, or they don't get access to the first opportunities that are going to get them there. So rather than put them in a position at the top just because, it's about help them, help them grow over a number of years, and they will arrive there and they will thrive. I've got no doubt about that. And that was that was part of our mission at, with New York because of the, the nature of, of of the work that, that was required around New York at that time, but also around the game. Uh, and that still is something that I hold close to me. Um, I want. To see more females in the game, I want to see a real representation of society and a representation of what's on the pitch, because what's on the pitch, they, there's a saying that you know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. Well, let's help that. Let's really make a difference to that. And and I think there's there's real potential for for this league and this brand and organisation to be there at the forefront of leading that. Um, but leading it in in what I would consider the right way uh, and going about it in the right way, and hopefully we can make a real impact on on people and on lives as well as on as well as on the beautiful game.
1: With that, I don't normally end with a two-fold question or for lack of a better word, a double question, but I can tell you're smart enough to handle it. So that's what I'm gonna do. And that is asking you what you are most excited about right now as this role as technical advisor for ECNL. And then if you can, please end it with, if I'm sitting with you, maybe it's here, maybe it's somewhere else, three years from now, what would you have liked to have accomplished in this
2: role? The most excited, I'll go from a personal perspective, um, and it's always about the opportunity to meet more people and learn more about the US culture, different states. It looks different, it feels different in different states. So being able to learn more, because I think that is so important to being able to advise. Um, I can't come at this from, well, I did this at City and I did that at Rangers and I did that at the FA because that doesn't necessarily work. So I think the first thing I have to do is learn and I have to do that as quick as I can. This event is great for that, to meet as many people as possible, Um, but post event also, because that's the only way that I can really add value is by understanding it, um, understanding people's journeys, because everyone in that room over the next few days will be learning something different. The theme and the topics the same but they're learning something different because each individual learns differently and they bring different perspectives to it education background everything else so i need to do that and i need to do it as quick as i can to be able to really add value in answer to the second one three years from now i would hope that we and this isn't to say that the clubs are not there at the moment because some may well be and they may be doing a great job but we get more alignment throughout the club in terms of a real consistent methodology in terms of the way we, we see the game, what we believe in, how we coach, how we teach, that kind of thing that runs through all of their age groups. Um, and also some similarities then at the in terms of what the league is for, for that reason. But first and foremost, I would always say that any league is about providing the best opportunity for young people to grow. That has to be central to it. And that growing can be like my PhD background, life skill development, as well as being a better player. But i f- totally believe in develop the person, you'll develop the player. Um, and and that, that's, my, that's my first kind of start point. And then one of the things that I'll use as part of my presentation is as individual as possible, specific as possible, as often as possible. And I use that for working with players, but also for working with coaches, staff, and, and anyone else. So the most precious thing I think you can give anyone is your time. And if people say that they've helped, that me being involved in the league has helped them to learn, grow, become better, not because of me and the, the wealth of knowledge, but maybe the way that I've facilitated things and who they've linked with and, and the way their outlook on the world and the game, then I think I'll be I'll be pretty happy um, because the other things will be taken care of by the great team at ECNL, it'll continue to grow. That's not going to be down to me. It's already grown, it will continue to grow. I won't play a part in that but hopefully what i will do is help in terms of ensuring the quality as we go um and ultimately more positivity around the game in in the us as a result of it and most importantly the young people that are playing Uh,
1: brilliant answer how can people follow you on social media
2: um (laughs) twitter is just at kerry bowley same as on instagram and then i'm on linkedin as well i tend to use linkedin a lot more than the others at the moment social media is a a funny place right now but it, um, but i am on there i am on there and i do i do try and respond to any direct messages by the way so as much as i can i do get back to people
1: i really enjoyed this i hope you did thanks so much for spending time with us on breaking the line the ecnl podcast
2: my pleasure thank you for having me
1: i want to thank carrie and everybody at the ecnl and also our producer colin thrash for each and every one of them and all of you i'm dean linke we'll see you in two weeks for another edition of breaking the line the ecnl podcast
0: Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.thecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.